0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order, additional term supply.
1: KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX.
2: Yes, folks, welcome, and thanks for stopping by on this Labor Day weekend. We'll be taking the good gardening stroll shortly. Do you have any questions or concerns about your outdoors, your houseplants, or anything else, Anything that's green, well, that would, you'd be calling the Allen's team. But, of course, instead just call here at 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Every Saturday morning we have get together to discuss yard, landscape, garden, house, plants. As I said before, home improvement. No, not home improvement. That's Scott Mosby's show. Soil improvement, though. Pruning bugs, diseases, planting, removals, and all that other stuff. Remember, my words are strictly to be used to open opportunities. After that, it's going to take work on your part, mental and physical both. And this great marathon called gardening. And there's no sprints. There's no quick fixes. nothing. Well, I shouldn't say there are no quick fixes. If you want some color, you can go out and buy a couple pots of uh, let's say, flowering mums. You got about uh, 10 days or 14 days or so of color with those, and then the flowers are gone. But anyway, this is your show. I appreciate you being here. Thanks to Greg. He's producing today, I guess... uh, There's not two producers. First time in a couple weeks. So I guess they think I'm going to be calmer during Labor Day. Labor Day weekend, not Labor Day. I'm Mike Miller. I've been doing the Garden Hotline since 1994. I've written five gardening books. Two are currently available at various locations. Also, I write articles for the Missouri Gardener magazine. And during the week, I do landscape consulting. If you'd like for me to come to your home and do a walk and talk, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, the homepage. That's where my email address and phone number will be. Also, I was able yesterday, even though we did, Tracy and I did go to the Greek Fest yesterday to get my uh, September update into my website. So, Anyway, you can reach me. We can set up a time where I can come to your home. Today, I'm headed out west and uh, for a walk and talk after the show. The Good Gardening Strolls brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636 861 3344. Ooh, stepping outside, the air felt like September like, coolish. The sky was beginning to lighten up. It really looked nice. I headed north on Gravoy. <laughs> north on Gravoy? No, I didn't. Does Gravoy go north and south? Oh, yes, it does. Kind of goes at an angle. Anyway. Destination downtown, exactly where I was not sure. My senses took me to Market and 8th. Uh, as I stepped out of the car, I could smell freshly baked bread. I couldn't figure out where that was coming from. I looked all around and, hmm, maybe it was Emo's Pizza. I don't know. But anyway, I could smell it and it really smelled nice. There is the great fountain surrounding the Running Man. It had a nice sound and very subtle And it's really kind of calmed down the tones of downtown. Although downtown this time of morning, hmm, not too much. There was all kinds of 4- to 5-inch oak trees planted as street trees along Market Street. They were still staked to ensure their stability. Liriope was showing some color. It was a lead actor in the ground covers around all the oak trees. Patchwork cut stone sidewalk offered a unique pattern. Squirrel hops out. Heads out into the street, finds some paper bags, checks them out. Whoa! Bonus filled with French fries. Man, he took a couple of French fries. I, he got two in his mouth. I don't know how he did that. Then went a few steps away and dropped one, ate on the other one. I didn't see if he finished it. If you start finishing, if you start eating, you should finish it though. Hopefully he did. But anyway, the this is Keener Plaza by the way, and there's a nice rolling hillside. And uh, boy, oh boy, it's just it's very calm. On the green, let's say the lawn side of the sidewalks, you're going to see some cherry trees, which will be spectacular next spring. Continuous benching runs around the planted uh, planted bed curves or curved bed bed spaces that are curved, where you can see hollies and hosta and anemones. The anemones is one of the great flowers to bloom in the fall that can take some real good sun if you don't want to have asters or mums. There's inkberry. There's some of the sedges. There's crab apples. There's viburnums. And uh, there's a wonderful playground that was just recently built, too. There's chestnuts and redbuds and iteas and hydrangeas and many, many more plants. Another fountain on the far west side of Keener Plaza. It's different, but uh, still a great fountain. Keener Plaza is just Been changed entirely from what it was historically, but it is still a wonderful place to go. It's really kind of neat to see the development, and as each year goes by, it's going to become more and more spectacular. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages.
1: This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX.
2: Yes, folks, if you have any questions or concerns or comments, 314. 436-7900 Four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. We're headed west to Wildwood, and we're going into Mike's yard. Hi, Mike.
0: Good morning, Mike. How are you? Very good. Good. Hey, question about lawns. It seems like I fight the same battle every year at this time, and that's fungus in the lawn. Uh, you know, I've got a low area It's kind of shaded. I've cut trees back to let more light in, but every July, August, it gets overtaken by fungus, and I seem like I'm replacing, reseeding every year. And, it's uh, same routine this time every year. Any suggestions on uh, more fungus resistant grass seed or <laughs> ways of preventing that?
2: <laughs> no, if it's a if it's a low area that's shaded, even if you're letting more light in, it's all going to be related to moisture. You have an irrigation system? No. Okay, so that so I mean that's not a contributing factor, but any you know just about any place in this region, your yard, every you know, and many others, fungus is just a reality of the circumstance. How bad it's going to be is going to be weather dependent. But there's nothing that's going to be more fungus resistant. I don't know what kind of grass you have in there. But even if it's part shade, it's going to be, you know, a little bit difficult, especially if you have any kind of moss growing on the ground. That kind of indicates the soil pH and everything else. If you really want to start from the basics, maybe get a soil test done, find out what's going on in there. But to be honest with you, every year you might as well plan on putting seed out every September and every May and just, you know, kind of accept the fact that's how it's going to be.
0: All right. Okay. That's not what I thought, but I thought I'd ask. I'm getting ready to do it again this year. I travel a lot when I'm gone in a week. It's, for a week, it just takes over an overnight, it seems like.
2: Right. It can certainly do that, and it's like very much weather-dependent, so... I mean, every year is going to be different, and the fungicides, you know, they're somewhat effective, but in reality, you're fighting Mother Nature with a, a little bit of spray or a little bit of water mixed with chemicals, and it's not going to really stop it.
0: Right. You know, I felt bad for my wife, too. She meant in good intentions when I was gone, it was starting to grow, and she watered it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Ah, the fungus appreciated that.
0: She thought it was drying up, and those fungus, and she put more water on it. I said, no, don't do that. I said, right. I said, I guess if I had a fan like a golf course, I guess I'm. I got my annual routine down. I guess
2: exactly. That's exactly right. So, uh, of course, your electric bill would be ten thousand dollars.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> All righty. Well, thank you very much.
2: Yeah. I'm sorry. I mean, reality is reality, and I mean, you can. I mean, it's just gonna. It's not gonna work. So just enjoy yeah, you know, it I had as it is.
0: Good luck hitting it with the with the fung- you know with the fungicide you put on your hose. that mixes and that seems to knock it down pretty quick. And then I fertilize it with some starter fertilizers. Seems right. salvage yeah. some of it. But.
2: That sounds good. So just good luck with that. And just like I say, every May, every September, just plan on kind of doing the same thing as far as the seeding. C J lives in St. Louis County. C J, how are you today?
3: I'm just fine. How are you, Mike? Very good. Thanks for taking my call. I have a banana tree that's inside. It's a house plant. It got too big. I used to uh, put it out every summer. And um, I noticed about three weeks ago there was like a little green sprout, and I wasn't sure what it was. Now all of a sudden I believe it's another tree because it's grown to about two and a half feet tall and it seems like the main stalk is starting to uh, lean over, and I think it might be dying. Do I need to take that out and take the other sprout off of it? or?
2: Well, bananas are colonizers, meaning they're going to send off suckers from the base, and that really should not impact, let's say, the mother plant, the original banana. Mm-hmm. So if it's leaning, I don't think it's necessarily related to the fact that it's putting sprouts off its base. So it may be on the downhill side. Do the, how do the leaves look? Do they look okay?
3: Uh, they did, and it was leafing, but I noticed that, uh, the last couple of, maybe the last week, that it's kind of the leaves are turning brown and, and dying off, which they do normally. And I right. just slip them off. But I was just wondering if I should take that other part off and put it in a different pot.
2: Well, you could, but you don't need to. Okay. If the pot's big enough, you can't move it outside anyway because the thing's too heavy and too big. Yeah. Yeah. You might as well just let all these suckers you know grow, and then you could have a banana colony in this room and you'll never be able to get in there because it'll be filled with banana trees.
3: This is true, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I don't think it's going to be tall enough depending upon how tall they get.
2: Right, well, it all depends on which variety they are, but I mean they can get pretty huge, like you yeah. know fifteen, twenty feet plus.
3: Right, I had one before that did it and it got so tall that I didn't have anywhere to put it so I had to get rid of it.
2: Right. Well in I the future this one it, is
3: a Japanese banana tree, I uh, believe.
2: Ah, so yeah. But anyway, in the future if you get rid of these bananas, make sure the next banana you buy you get a dwarf banana because about five feet is about as big as it's gonna get. Okay. So I would, you know, really keep that in mind. Okay. Thank you very much. Certainly. And now let's go back to Wildwood into Betsy's yard. Hi, Betsy. Good morning, and thank you for taking my call. Sure. Uh, We have a multi-trunked tree. uh,
3: The bark is not a typical bark. It's a real bumpy type of a, a trunk. And the roots, every year the roots become more exposed and more exposed. Is it okay just to dump soil on that, smooth it out, and replant?
2: Uh, there's no reason to do it because, the, the, I mean, the soil that you put on there because you're mi- not mixing, blending it with the existing soil is just going to erode away. So this okay. is just a, a natural circumstance, and especially if you're in a situation where it's heavy-duty clay, which most of the, the entire region is, yes. the roots are going to be on the surface. And as the tree gets bigger, you know, more and more roots could, let's say uh, – look like they're emerging but what they are actually they were always right there it's just now that the diameter of the roots are getting bigger it's becoming more obvious to you know to actually see
3: okay so there's really nothing i can do about it, it makes mowing very difficult
2: right now what you can do is just look at traditional type ground covers you know to cover the roots so in other words create a base or a, a bed uh, you know around the base of the trunk and plant ivies, plant periwinkle, plant, you know, lariopy, any of those t- kind of traditional ground covers, and just kind of give up the idea of having any kind of lawn or grass or anything in that space. Okay, very good. Thank you so much. Certainly. Okay, bye bye. Yep. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages.
1: Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX.
2: Folks, back to the phones we're going to go. If you have any questions, concerns, or comments, as the weather is so cool, but on Monday it's going to be back to 92. Give us a call at 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. This cooler weather could start triggering some changes in the foliage on the trees. The actual one of the sugar maples that we have around our house is showing one branch of color, but I don't think that's so good necessarily. But anyway... Let's go out to Eureka and into Gary's yard. Hi, Gary.
4: Hi, Mr. Miller. Uh, you've heard of the bay leaf that people use for cooking, putting in stews and soup and yeah. stuff. Where in the world do you find a bay tree?
2: <laughs> uh, Southern California. They grow very well.
4: Uh How can I get one here? (laughs) (laughs) Does anybody sell them in the area?
2: I don't. You know, they may. I don't even think they do, though, because they're not hardy. They can't be outside, and they don't really work well as houseplants.
4: Oh, oh, got it. So,
2: I mean, you could try it. You can go online and get one sent that way, or you can go to your favorite garden center and see if they could order one for you next year. I doubt if they would bring it in this time of year. And you probably wouldn't want to bring it in this time of year because the days are getting shorter. And to bring it inside, it's going to freak out because it's been a very nice nursery, you know, wherever they had it brought in from and everything else. But, yeah, bay leaves just don't do well in the outdoors here.
0: I appreciate it. Thank you. Very much. Yep,
2: good luck with that. Sorry. And uh, uh, Mary Jane called about uh, croton, which is codeum, that is the botanical name. If you're in the Jackson Pollock, who's a painter, he was the guy who took paint and just kind of huge amounts on the brush and just splattered all over the place. Well, that's what croton or codeum is. It's a plant that you grow that really you're not growing it for the flowering at all, you're growing it because of the spectacular color of the leaves. And she has it, and she wants to know when to bring it inside. Well, from this point forward... Before the end of the month, she should bring it in, and consequently, it's got to be put in a bright, bright, sunny window. Because if it doesn't get really bright light, what's going to happen? It's going to start start dropping leaves, and it will probably start dropping leaves anyway. So just don't freak out. Just and don't overwater it. And that's with any houseplants or any tropicals you're bringing inside. Be very, very careful not to overwater. Wait until the potting mix shrinks from the inside of the pot, then water it at that time. No fertilizer going into the longest part of the, I should say, the shortest days, but the longest, most boring part of the year, which is winter, you know, from my perspective. So anyway, bring it in before the end of the month. Bright, bright, sunny window or a grow light would certainly help it. And just anticipate the idea that in May, you know, drops and leaves. So Mary Jane, don't worry too much about it. It's pretty tough and don't overwater. So just be careful about that. And speak of crotons, codiums, I have about 14, uh, maybe not quite that many, 10 or so at my front door. I have them in various pots, and you know I have a couple different ones. With, you know I just like that kind of color as opposed to f- the flowering aspect. But also mixed in with those, I had planted a bunch of castor beans. Longtime listeners know I actually stole the castor bean seeds from the old Bush Stadium. You know, one that looked like the Roman Coliseum, they had them actually planted outside. They have red leaves on them, and that's why I'm assuming they plant them. So one day I was taking my good gardening stroll around the stadium. So I thought, hmm, here's some seeds. Why don't I just take them? Now, that was a long, long time ago. So consequently, I've been growing them every year and, you know, gathering the seeds and everything else. Well, this year I decided to make it a uh, castor beans. you know, Mike Miller's castor bean farm more or less. And what happened is, unfortunately, because I had so many and I was having to move, move them around and everything else uh, so I could water other plants that were nearby, I got exposed to the sap of the castor bean. And my arms have been had a horrible rash for a couple weeks now. So, you know, what happened is it was during that really hot spell. I probably broke some of the leaves. Or even the, the leaf without the sap can cause people who have very sensitive skin like me, uh, you know, to get this rash. I've never had it before, but I've never had this many castor beans. So I was very, very stupid. And, you know, and then I think, eh, you know, so what? And so every time I go outside to work, I would re-expose myself. So my arms were bright red from this rash. So then I have Benadryl. I've been putting it on there. And finally, I've got the thing under control. So I hate to say this, but I was really stupid. And I have to be much more careful about the castor beans, where I put them, and how much I interact with them. So anyway, that that's related to the croton. They're right there at my front door. So Mike Miller was really stupid with the castor beans. Let's go to Troy, Illinois, into Lynn's yard. Hi, Lynn.
0: Hi. I uh. Um am going to be putting down some pre-emergent and i was wondering if uh the fifth is too late to do that for weeds
2: basically some of the weeds may have already germinated but some of them may not have so consequently what you're putting the pre-emergent down for this time of year is chickweed is you know all the hen bits the annual bluegrass there's a there's the Persian speedwell, those type of weeds which germinate this time of year, grow all the way through winter, and then when the weather warms up next spring or late, you know, early summer, late, you know, late spring, then they die. So no, the fifth is not too late. There may be some that have already germinated, but there's going to be a, a sort of a series of seeds that are germinating. But just realize that you know, any you cannot put any other seed out with this, like lawn seed or anything else, because the. This The pre-emergence is going to kill any seed that's germinating.
0: Right. Yeah, I have to wait to do it because um, I, I wanted to aerate before I do that. Right. And uh, I got to, to have marked uh, utilities before I can do that. Okay. And can I also put uh, fertilizer down at the same time?
2: Uh, sure. I mean, you could go ahead and probably, you know, go to your favorite garden center and probably look, f- if you're not putting a seed down, which you're not, you don't need a seed starter. What you need is probably just a winterizer type fertilizer for your lawn. I'm assuming you have bluegrass or fescue.
0: Yeah, fescue.
2: Okay. So then that should be fine to go ahead and do your fall feeding. You're going to f- you feed September, October, November, and maybe even to December to give it as much health and as much boost as you possibly can. Okay. Thank you. Yep. Good luck with that. So yeah, the pre-emergent has been something I've been harping on. Getting a pre-emergent down in the springtime when the yellow forsythia is in bloom. But this time of year, basically mid to late August, early September. To I mean, because there's two different weed annual weeds. There's a the warm season and the cool season. The cool season are the ones that germinate now and live through the entire winter time. So thanks, Lynn. And now let's go to Arnie in Crestwood. Hi, Arnie.
4: How you doing? Very good. My son is uh, building, has built a house on top of a mountain out in the uh, St. Louis Hills, okay, someplace. And he's talking about bringing in a bunch of topsoil. But there ain't nothing but rock in his yard. If he laid a bunch of topsoil down, he, that would just kind of filter into those rocks, wouldn't
2: it? No. Basically... It what he's going to have to do is blend it or mix it together some way. If he just lays it on top, if this is any kind of sloped area at all, it's just going to erode because there's not—it's not connected to the existing soil.
4: Right. So, it's it, out in the unique area, so if you know that area well, yeah, you know, there's nothing but rocks out there.
2: Right. So.
4: So, so does he lay uh, a mixture of topsoil and what?
2: Topsoil and compost together, and still it's got to be blended, even though it is very rocky and everything else with the existing soil. If he's going to do this, because you can't just put a layer there and expect it to stay in place. It's not going to stay there. That's what erosion's all about. It's just you know f- smaller pieces. You know which topsoil is going to be small pieces. You know over the uh, you know within even if the soil was in the rocky so- you know stuff that's there. Or anything yeah. else, it's gonna as it rains and pours and everything else. Or there's big snow melts and that type of thing. It, there's the soil is just gonna end up at the bottom of, or the slope or the hill or whatever.
4: So, did not even bring in a bunch of uh, uh, what? What kind of grass would you put on top of that?
2: <laughs> he might as well give up on grass. No, I mean it's That's just gonna right. be a, a circumstance. You know, where if he wants to, if it's a larger area that he wants lawn, he just should, just like I was talking to a previous caller, every May, every September, put out grass seed with seed starter fertilizer and just kind of understand that this is going to be the scene for as long as he lives in this house. Because if it's really rocky, which I know Eureka, my brother used to live out in Eureka. I grew up yeah. in that part of it. Well, I grew up in Ellisville, but Eureka was is very close. And... Uh, Rocky soil out there, you just don't get successful lawns in there.
4: No. So plant a lot of uh, bushes around uh, the front of the house and the trees are in the back.
2: Right, exactly.
4: Okay. That's what I thought. Okay. Thanks a lot. Sure. And you got get- you got a great program. Well,
2: thank you. It's your show, as you know. And whenever you're planting, realize that, you know, make sure that you get some really tough shrubs or tough trees if you want to have ornamental trees in there. And the hole should be three times the diameter of the root ball, and only 80% as deep because you want to make sure the crown of the plant is above the surrounding ground. So that's, you know, I mean, it's going to be a lot of work. There's no getting around it, especially if he's on a hillside or a hilltop out there. It is rocky.
4: Yeah, a jackhammer and a uh, a good pick to get into the, to the rock.
2: Exactly. That's why they it's call the it's park it's out it's there it's rock, it's rock Woods. That for, <laughs> yeah, so
4: that prathusia you know, that you talk about, is that good for those kinds?
2: Yeah, that should, you know, that's one of the ones that could probably, you know, stand it. But what he should do also is just take a look around, you know, through all the various areas and houses that are close to him and find out what they have growing and what has been successful and kind of use that as more or less, uh, you know, I don't want to say this is what he has to do, but just give him some kind of idea of what, what's what yeah. been successful and what hasn't.
4: What's living there now that after those people moved in a couple of years ago. Right. right. Okay. Okay. I appreciate it, sir. Thank you.
2: Right. And a couple things, you know, he might consider if he wants evergreens, look at the junipers. Get the Chinese juniper as opposed to the native juniper and redbud trees. They can grow on a rocky soil as well. Sumac. There's quite a few things that are, have ornamental qualities, So, but it's going to take a little research on his part. So thanks, Arnie. And Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after these messages.
1: Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX.
2: Yes, folks, a couple things you might be, uh, well, just a little information for you. There can be a lot of mushroom, puffball, toadstools growth in your landscape. That's not there. You can uh, Somebody actually emailed me and said, I've been spraying fungicides on them, and, and they keep coming back and back and back. Fungicides is not going to get rid of this. What it is, is toadstools, puffballs, and all that stuff grow on dead plant material. So in other words, dead root systems, or if you haven't dethatched your lawn for a while and the thatch is really thick, so you're not going to get rid of them with a fungicide. All you can do is just understand that it's going to happen and just wait until, if, it's, if they're growing off a root, until it totally implodes, then they're going to grow go away. It's not like they're going to spread out all over the place. They grow on dead stuff. So there's no, you don't need to worry about it. Also, post-emergent herbicides. So in other words, you know, chemicals that kill actively growing plants. As the days get shorter and the temperatures drop, we're going to become less and less effective. So just you know, spraying things to try to kill. Just realize as the temperatures go down, your the effectiveness is going to go down as well. So that's not to say don't spray it, but just realize that you know the impact may be not exactly what you hope for. Webb lives in Edwardsville. Hi, Webb. How are you?
5: Hi, mighty fine. Thanks, Mike, for being on my show.
2: Well, thank you.
5: (laughs) I've got a garden soil problem. Uh, I think I I had my soil tested last fall, and I'm, I'm way over the top on potassium and phosphorus. Right. Now, I do straw my garden every year in order to keep the weeds down, and I have a hunch from what I read that that... Is not a good idea because you get more phosphorus and potassium. Is there something I can add to the soil to change that? The plants just don't grow very
2: well. No, and basically, phosphorus and potassium is those last two numbers on a bag of fertilizer that has three numbers. And right. they, if you've been like, if this is a garden area and you've been putting something like triple 12 down for years and years and years, you're going to get extravagant levels of this, and the only thing you can really do is just wait. As slowly but surely it will finally, you know, decrease. So whenever you put any fertilizer down, you wanna make sure the nitrogen, you know, like a ten zero zero or a ten five five at the most, or twenty five five, just make sure those last two numbers are as low as you can possibly find. And just okay, be patient. Then.
5: Basically, then you're bringing the nitrogen up to balance the other two.
2: Right, and what happens is the nitrogen only stays in the soil for a relatively short period of time. Then it becomes a gas and goes up into the air, and it will come back down when there's lightning strikes. But that's why there's never high extravagant levels of nitrogen, because it dissipates and goes up into the air.
5: Should I put that then on in the fall, or should I put it on next spring?
2: I would probably put it on... You mean it's... Or both. <laughs> yeah. No, if you're doing nitrogen, I would wait until you actually have plants there so they can have the benefit of it. Because if it's, you know, you put it down now, you're not growing anything, it's just going to dissipate and head up in the air.
5: Okay, within a couple of months, it'll be gone.
2: Right. Not oh, even that okay. long.
5: Oh, okay. Well, I, I mean, very short period away. of time. <laughs> right. I always raise some beans, and I figure the beans would put nitrogen in the soil. But uh, And the beans do well, but the beets do badly, the peppers do badly, right. the tomatoes. Okay, so I need to balance them with more nitrogen.
2: Right, exactly. And just realize that nitrogen has a limited life in your soil. Okay.
5: Well, I still like to put the uh, straw down because it certainly does keep down the weeds.
2: Right. But I don't think that's really problematic from, you know, from the circumstances. I think you're really getting it from fertilizer.
5: Well, no, I don't put fertilizer on. Oh, really? And normally I rake all that straw off in the fall, and I compost it over the winter, and the next year I put it back in when I churn up the garden.
2: Well, that seems you know kind of unusual because, but I mean, if that's, you know, if that's the situation, then that's how it is.
5: All righty. I have put horse manure on in the past, but... Uh,
2: Use cow manure. Horse manure can still have a lot of grass and stuff. You may be getting your phosphorus oh yes. from, from you that. You get
5: choice new rare weeds every year. <laughs> <laughs>
2: exactly. All righty.
5: Well, I appreciate your help. Thank sure. you, Mike.
2: Yeah, good luck. And yeah, the phosphorus and potassium, this is for anybody. You get that soil test done, you may be shocked at seeing I mean we're seeing so many soil tests with extravagant levels. And what's wrong with phosphorus and potassium, you say, why should that hurt the plants? Well it can dehydrate the soil, it can cause problems for your root system, all kinds of other things as a result of having too much of that those particular nutrients. Jenny lives in South Saint Louis. Hi Jenny. Hi Mike, how are you? Very good. Good. I um <clears throat> have a response to
3: the caller that was looking for a bay plant. Ah. Um I found uh, that Bayer's Garden Shop on Hampton, they had them early in summer, and Bowood Farms, uh, that's in the Central West End. I actually bought one there, really? and, and still have it going. It's, it's outside right now.
2: And have you ever brought it inside for the winter time?
3: Yeah, I don't do well with that. I right. I tend not to water it enough. <laughs> But but I'm going to try this year.
2: <laughs> well, thanks. You know, like I said, I you know I rarely see them. I go to garden centers. You know, when I'm out and about for in between appointments and things like that. But I couldn't honestly say that I'd seen one. But I guess I'm not looking in the herb area.
3: Well, I had a really hard time finding it. I had to call more. Uh, you know, quite a few places uh, before I came up with it. Yeah. Right.
2: So. Okay, well, thanks, Mike. Yeah, well, thank you. And also, there's a Bears in Imperial, as well as the one on Hampton, and then Bowood Farms, as you said, is in the West End. Well, thanks, Jenny. I appreciate that. Felix is in Crevecore. Hi, Felix.
3: Uh, yeah, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I, my yard
2: is like weed and clover heaven, okay? Uh-huh. However, this past summer, I could not do anything to it because of, of all the mole activities that was uh, going on. I set the trap, got one, but I didn't get rid of all the moles, and then finally I just laced all the tunnels with peanuts. And I hadn't seen any activity since <clears throat> uh, early August or late July. And I was wondering, is should I put out those um, sonic stakes, and then, and then what is the process I need to do to try to d- this uh, fall and next spring to get my yard back into shape. Well, basically those, you know, the sonic stakes, what you're talking about for people that don't, don't realize that, it sends vibrations through the soil. It doesn't keep, doesn't drive the moles out of your yard. What it does is keep new moles from coming in. So, what you know, so it's a vibration. That's what moles do. That's how they find the earthworms they eat. They hear the vibration of the earthworms going through the soil. But this is apparently these things... These stakes, you know, sonic things, sonic meaning sound, make a sound that they don't like. It repels them, but they're not going to leave your yard as a result of it. So, and what you need to do is, you know, make sure that they're gone. If you have this weed heaven, I would say you should probably get the weeds under control before you try to get any kind of lawn grass going. So I know it's going to be a giant mess and everything else, but get out there and see if you can get some of this, you know, stuff killed off. And then you've got the whole month of really September before you, you know, I mean, to put seed down. So you can try to get these weeds under control after two weeks of putting some kind of weed killer down on it and getting as many killed off as you possibly can. Wait for a few days after that and then put seed down with seed starter and then follow that up with some winterizer seed or winterizer fertilizer after that.
0: Okay, thank you
3: very
2: much. Sure, I mean, yeah, it's going to it's going to be a long, involved process. It's going to be muddy. It's going to be horrible. Sally and Kirkwood, could you do it rather quickly?
3: Um, I have a big, beautiful... I had a big, beautiful orchid plant given to me a year ago. Mm-hmm. The flowers died, and I have six strong, eight healthy leaves, but not one sign of the two stems getting coming up and getting flowers. Yeah, the... the... Did I just throw it away?
2: No, I mean... Just keep it. There's two stems that had the flowers that previously, they're never going to have flowers again. It's going to have to put out new stems from the base, from the crown of the plant. So if the leaves are healthy, you know, if you can, you know, just keep it in a bright, sunny window. Probably, depending upon the variety, expect most of the orchids are going to be blooming sometime in the winter. So I
3: water it once a week, but... uh...
2: That's fine. That's perfect.
3: Should I cut the
2: two stems down too? Yeah, if you – I mean, if they don't have any flowers on them, all they are is just ugly green stems sticking up in the air. Right. So just – yeah, just get rid of those. You know, put it in a bright, sunny window, and uh, if you can go to your favorite garden center and get some orchid food, that would be great because don't feed it going in, you know, to, let's say, the end of the year. But as we come out, you know, in 2018, start fertilizing it according to the label. And orchid food is very specific on what it's going to do. Okay. And it sounds like you're taking care of it just perfectly. This is what you should uh, expect out of it.
3: All right, thank you very much. Yes,
2: Bye-bye. and yeah, orchids are great. I actually Tracy gave me an orchid uh, for my birthday, and uh, let's see, I think the stem had seven flowers on it. And now it's down to the very last flower, so I'm going to cut that off. Cut the stem. The foliage looks great. I used to grow a lot of orchids, but uh, you know, I kind of you know, gave them away. let's put it that way. And uh, so now I might start growing a few more because they are really unique. And uh, they're tough, they're durable. As long as they got good light and you don't want them, don't put them near heat. So a cool window, you know, that's bright, that's, you know, kind of the perfect environment for them. So... Take a look out in your yard. We've got uh, you know some time until after the news where we'll be back for the second hour of the Garden Hotline. So just look out there and see what you think and uh, you know give us a call back. We've still got uh, Bob and Scott online. And uh, if you want to get lined up, that would be perfect. So Mike Miller, KMWAS Garden Hotline. I appreciate everybody having me on your show. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy,